Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. I'm excited. I'm so excited to be here as soon as I can get my computer up and running. Um, <clears throat> so I was telling everybody first service, I, I didn't know what I was, is this really loud? This is just me. <clears throat> Turn me down. I know I'm going to get soft, but then I'm going to get loud, so I know it's, um, but uh, I was telling first service, I was, I was like, I was so nervous coming to this message, and I couldn't realize, I, I couldn't understand why, because I've spoken a lot of times, and this is really hot. Um, and, um, and I was in meeting with Pastor Travis and the team before first service, and I realized why it was that I was so nervous, because I asked Pastor Travis, I said, hey, you know, so this is like your fourth message on this topic, right, on a series of, of godly power, or a series of season of power, yes, that. And so, and so I'm saying, like, this is your fourth one. He's like, no, this is a, I, I've spoken nine times on this. So this is going to be the 10th one. I'm like, oh, no wonder. I'm like, you've spoken on everything and didn't give me anything to leave anything for me to speak on. So no wonder I'm, I'm nervous and, and no, I'm kidding. But it was, it was really good. I, Pastor Travis asked me to speak on this and, um, and I, uh, I prayed a little bit about it. So I want you guys to really just um, lean in and... Uh, this has the potential to really just make you walk out of here a little bit different than the way you came in. But the reality of it is, is I like to take, you know, take uh, a verse and kind of change it around and kind of unwrap it differently than you're used to hearing it. And mainly because I need to do this for the youth so that they can sense it um, and they can grab onto it. And so I tend to speak that way if that's okay. But mainly I do it because of me. You know, I, I grew up in a religion where, where, where I served a boring God. And I served a God that was always angry and, and just waiting for me to, like, uh, mess up so his wrath can come over me. And so, so I tend to change uh, verses in the Bible so that, that, I, that, that I can relate to them and, and so that I can have hope. And it's, it's, how, I, it's how I envision the God that I serve. So if that's okay, this is how I'm going to preach today. Please don't leave. It's not some of the stuff you guys are going to be like, wait, wait, this isn't biblical. It's not. But if you read your Bible, you know where I'm coming from. So have a little bit of grace if that's okay. Um, I'm going to read out of the book of uh, John's second chapter, and this is what it says. It says, on the third day, a wedding, a wedding took place in Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six um, stone water jars, the kind that they use and the, the Jews use for, uh, for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons of water. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them up to the brim. 
when he told them, now draw some water and take it to the master of the banquet, they did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink, but you have saved the best until now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. This morning I want to talk about the response. I want to talk about the right response, how critical your response is to your walk with the Lord. I want you to make sure that you check whenever you're dealing with something, your response. Let's pray. Is that okay? Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for today, Lord. I thank you for allowing me to do this. I thank you for Pastor Travis and allowing me to be up here this morning to share your word. Father, I pray that you would just be with me. Father, I pray that you would just take me out of the equation, Lord, so that your people can hear your word. And so that they're able to walk out of here a little bit different than the way they came in. Father, I give you all the glory, all the praise in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. I was reading this verse and I couldn't help when I was reading this to just think about my wedding night. You know, and I was thinking like, man, my wedding night didn't look at anything like this. See, I don't know you guys, how many of you guys know this, but Davina and I, we met back in 1994. And I knew her, we started dating almost right away, and I knew her for about five months. I'm not condoning this, young people, but I knew her for about five months, and we were sitting at a friend's house one day, just hanging out, and this is before Christ, so don't judge me. <laughs> but we're sitting at a friend's house, and we're hanging out, and um, I remember, you know, my friend's wife, she liked to gamble, and she had one of those little electronic uh, blackjack gambling machines and she's playing and she just you know she can't lose and she looks up and she's like man I wish I was in Vegas and so I look up at Divina and she looks back at me and I'm like you wanna and she's like do you wanna I'm like yeah let's let's do it and then my friend's like are you serious and we're like yeah we're serious let's go it's like 8 30 9 o'clock at night so I call my best friend Dale who's always been my best friend since since we're little and I we promised each other we we're gonna be best men at each other's wedding. So I call him up. I'm like, Dale. It's like, what? He's like, dude, get ready. We're going to Vegas. We're gonna get, I'm going to get married. He's like, shut up. I'm like, no, I'm serious. We're going to get married. He's like, he's like, all right, I'm getting ready. So he gets ready. He calls me back about 30 seconds later. He's like, Javier, are you drunk? And I'm like, no, dude, I'm not drunk. I promise. I haven't had anything to drink. I said, like, get, get ready. We're going to Vegas. So we go to Vegas, and we get to Vegas about almost two o'clock, something like that, and we're looking for a place to get married, and we can't find a place to get married in Vegas. And we end up going to the courthouse and getting married in the courthouse. Fast forward four years later, five years later, we decided to have a wedding, because my, my mom was gonna help us out, so we had a wedding in, in our old church, different religion, and just to please my mom, I think. But we had this wedding, right? And it was a big wedding, it was a party, it was, you know, we had the, the food and, and the music and all that. Um, and then uh, about 16 years later, 
Divina and I, we were walking right with the Lord. We were living our life for God, and we decided to renew our vows 16 years. And there's a picture of my wife and I. Man, she's gorgeous. Um, but uh, but, but we, we decided to renew, renew our vows, and, um, and I started thinking, you know, it was a direct response of that night when we were at our friend's house that I looked at her and said, hey, you want to get married? And she said, yeah. And it was because of that response that we got to do that wedding. And it was because of that response that we were able to have these two beautiful girls that are my daughters. And it was because of the right response that I was able to get this handsome, incredible young man that I call my sons now, my son-in-laws, but they're my sons. And if it wasn't for the right response, we wouldn't have this beautiful young baby that I get to, I get to be the, the happiest grandpa in the world. That's, that's my message. We're just going to sit here and stare at Easton further. I'm kidding. The right response, man, it would have been a little bit different if she would have said no. I wouldn't have been able to live my best years. I mean, this is just the icing on the cake, guys. But I wouldn't be here if it wasn't because she made the right response. I wasn't walking with God. I owe everything that I am to my Lord and Savior, but also because he put this Wakali woman in my life. And when I was going and running away from God, she didn't react, she responded to the call of God, and I owe everything to my Heavenly Father. So the response in your life, yeah, thank you. The response, your response is, is very critical. How I many you know that how you respond to life is critical, right? The right response has the potential to change the direction of your life. The right response has the potential to push you into your destiny. The right response has the ability to change your life and give you hope and purpose when you don't feel like you had any purpose. The right response can change the depth of a relationship. Have you ever had to send a text to somebody and you're watching the three little dots <laughs> and you're terrified because you don't know whether they're going to respond or react, right? And you're hoping that they respond because the response is critical. And we have to res understand the difference between a response in a reaction. There's a big difference between a response and a reaction. See, we, most people are reactors. We just react to life and whatever it throws at us. And there's a difference between a response and a reaction. A reaction is impulsive. It's a knee-jerk thing. It's an emotional 
decision. It's a thing that you that you do that you regret doing. It's a it's a, it's a it's words that you say that you wish you can take back. That's a reaction. A response doesn't come from an emotion. I mean, it carries emotion, but it doesn't come from an emotion. A response comes out of the knowledge and the wisdom and the maturity of a person. A response sits back and is slow to think and is slow to talk. A response is calculated to a a destination. A response is determined to an outcome. A reaction in a response is very different. You know what I, the one thing that I know is that God has called us Christians, us believers, to be responders and not reactors. Come on, church. He's called the church to be responders and not reactors. It's important that we don't read or we don't react to what we see. It's important that we don't react to what we hear. It's important that we don't react to a post that somebody posts. Come on, church. It's important that we respond to things. We need to be believers that are mature enough to know how to respond to situations. Have you ever... Have you ever noticed a difference between a response and a reaction? Anybody? Anybody ever call 911? Right? 911 is, is, is an emergency response team. It's not an emergency react team. It would be a completely different call if it was an emergency react team, right? I mean, you would call and say, hey, my wife just cut her fingers off. And the person on the other line would like, what? What do you mean she cut her fingers off? Is she bleeding? What are you going to do? I'm like, I don't know. It would be a, a, a completely different call. They would calm you down. See, they're called a response team. They calm you down. They say, oh, she's bleeding. Do you have a warm towel? Do you have two warm towels? You get one for her hand and one for her mouth. <laughs> I'm only saying that because she's not in here. Um, but uh, did I mention we've been married 28 years? Just kidding. But I mean, they, they, they calm you down. They say, get a warm towel, put pressure on. Don't worry, calm down. The, the emergency response team is on their way. We need to be people that know how to respond to situations. That's the one thing that I love about the God that I serve is that he's a responder and not a reactor. That whenever I I, I come up short and, 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 and I miss the mark, he responds to my failures. He doesn't react to my failures. I'm so thankful that I serve a God that responds It goes all the way to the beginning of the Bible in Genesis. 
when even Adam and Eve made a mistake and ate out of the forbidden fruit, how many of you know that God wasn't up in heaven going, oh my gosh, what are we going to do now? You know? What did they do? No, God, before the foundation of the world, before it was created, he had a plan. He had a response for the falling, for falling humanity. He knew what he was going to do. I'm so thankful that we serve a God, the response to our situations, the response to our mistakes. We serve a God that responds. In fact, chapter 1, I know we read chapter 2, but chapter 1, John chapter 1, really just speaks about the response of God. This is what it says. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Go down to four, uh, verse 14. It says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And that was God's response to a broken humanity. The fact that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among, among us. Do you guys understand what that's saying? See, I don't think a lot of us understand what that's saying. Because this is what it's saying. It says that the God left heaven. That God left eternity and stepped into time and came all the way down here to meet me in my mistakes. To meet me in my sin. Listen, if you really understood what that meant, that God left his throne to come down and save you, you will worship a little bit different. You would pray a little bit different. You would know who to go to when you were going through something. I don't think we fully understand the response and the humility of our Savior. God will have to humble himself to come down to the depths of our mess because his love is so sufficient for us that he was willing to humble himself just a little bit. Some of us need to humble ourselves a little. Humility, that should be our response as believers. I mean, come on. We have some puffed up people in this world. We have some puffed up people in the church, not this church. Other church, but we have some. I mean, come on, sit down for a second, relax, right? Kick back for a little bit, sit down, and just and just hear somebody else's story. Keep your mouth shut. Maybe you might learn a little bit. Can I say that? You you, you can fix it next week, Pastor Travis. <laughs> Jesus humbled himself. Come on, we need. We need to be a humble people. John chapter 1 is about his humility. And just as we're realizing his humility, 
we fast forward to chapter 2 and you see the authority of Jesus. And we find Jesus in the temple courts where he sees people in the house of God making it difficult for people to worship God. And Jesus makes a whip and he throws what I like to call a temple tantrum. <laughs> and he starts to turn over tables and he starts to whip people and, 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 and throwing them out. Why? Because they're oppressing his people. They're, 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 they're making it difficult for his people to worship in the house of God. Come on, most of us went to the movie yesterday. We saw the problem with the church is that we make it difficult for people that need Jesus to come into the church and feel accepted. Again, not this church, but some churches I've heard of. <laughs> if we were to get real with ourselves and honest with ourselves, we realize that the reason why some of these chairs aren't full is because we have some of those people in this church. Is that okay for me to say? Yeah. Listen, I'm here to encourage you. I'll let Pastor Travis speak a pretty message next week. <laughs> we need to be a people that humble themselves. People that are welcoming. That if somebody shows up in shorts and without shoes, or a little bit dirty because just got out of work, that we're going to accept them as they are because Jesus doesn't care what you're wearing. I love that about God. I love the fact that you see him. You see his authority. You see who he is because this is what I'm telling you. God, yeah, he's a humble God. He's a loving God. He's a gracious God. But you mess with his people, the people that are oppressed, the people that are seeking him. You mess with him. He's going to turn gangster on you. I'm telling you. I'm serious. We serve a, a great God, but I really believe that we serve a God that knows his authority. He'll, 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 he'll show up if he needs to. I know I can say this. I mean, this church, we're so blessed with this church and, how, and, and this community. But listen, it's not because of Pastor Travis, and he knows I, I, I respect him. It's not anything that we're doing. It's not our worship. Because if the worship wasn't here, if Pastor Travis wasn't here, if I wasn't here, God is still here. He's still going to move. Because he left his throne and humbled himself for you and I. He's going to do it for the people of this generation too. I better get going because you guys gave me like two minutes to speak. <laughs> and in the middle of his humility and, and his authority is John chapter 2. This is what I want you guys to picture really quick. Listen how chapter 2 starts. It says that Jesus was at a party. Right? It says that our Redeemer, our Savior, he was at a party. He was at the dance floor, right, doing the cabbage patch, right, doing the running man. You don't want me to do that. I'll pull something. But it says that Jesus was at a party. 
And I don't know about you, but some of us, myself, I need to picture my God. I have to have that image of God for me. Because I grew up in a religion where God was just angry, where God was just, didn't have any fun. So I wanted nothing to do with God. So for me, when God made himself real to me, I, I, I saw that I serve a fun God. I serve a God that likes to have fun. Yeah, yeah, he'll turn gangster on you, but, but he is a God that likes to have fun. And that's what I need to envision so that I know that, 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 that I serve a God that cares, that humbles himself, and, and I'm relatable. He's relatable to me. Because for a long time, I wanted nothing to do with him because I didn't really know who he was. Some of us need to have a different image of God. Is that okay? Don't walk out on me. I promise I'm going to bring this together. I believe that this is why Jesus wanted this place to be the place where he reveals his glory for the first time. And some of us can't even imagine or even comprehend that or have that picture in our mind because the only image we have of Jesus is him on the cross, hanging, dying on the cross. And don't get it twisted. That's not what I'm saying. He did die on the cross for our sins. But I'm so thankful that I serve a God that's my redeemer, but it's cool enough to still have some fun. Is that okay? Yeah. It's okay for me. So important, church, that you don't miss what I'm trying to say here. Because some of us in this room have the notion this belief that to come to Jesus, to come to God, we have to lose something. We have to give something up. We have to put something away in order to follow Jesus. You ever met people, again, not in this church, but people that have a messed up testimony? Ever met anybody like that? You meet them and you're like, oh, yeah, man, when I wasn't saved, oh, man, I could party. When I was saved, I was clubbing. I was clubbing every night, Sarah. I mean, I was the first one there. I was the last one to leave. I was getting some bottles. But then I came to Jesus. As if, as if, as if coming to Jesus is some kind of restriction. Like you have to be restricted to follow Jesus. Listen, I live my fullest life. For 20 some years now because I gave my life to the Lord who gave me life. And I live my life to the fullest and there's no restrictions. I have the best life that I've ever lived. I'm not rich in money but I'm rich in grace. And man I love my life. I wouldn't trade it for the world. The best day in the world wouldn't compare to the worst day with Jesus. We have this notion, this crazy notion. That's what the enemy wants you to, to, to think. That's his trick to make you realize that, that, that if you want to accept God in your life, you have to give something up, right? Oh, you're going to accept Jesus? What are you going to give up so you can be saved? Come on, young people, you got to hear this. Because so many of you, your peers tell you that you got to give something up 
that you got to give up your music, you got to give up your friends, you got to give up your fun in order to follow Jesus, and that's just the enemy's plan. I'm telling you, there's some great rap music out there. It's not for me, it's for Pastor Travis, but there's some great <laughs> Christian rap music out there. There's some great, listen, I know you're looking at a short little fat brown guy, but I love me some bluegrass. And there's some good, there's some great Christian bluegrass, I'm telling you. I love Christian bluegrass, I love Christian country. You didn't know that about me, huh? <laughs> Tell a friend. <laughs> no, God is saying, I want you to have this image of who I am. That I would reveal my first miracle at a party. On the dance floor. So he's dancing. And I think that we, we have to really not take a look at this miracle from a distance, but really take a look at it as a prototype to the way the miracles come to pass. See, because check this out. He's dancing on the floor. And Mary, and you got to check out Jesus' response and Mary's response, because this is what happens. Mary comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, we're out of wine, right? How many of you know that the response of Mary at this wedding is a direct reason why the miracle happened? I mean, check this out. There's, there's, they're, they're, at a, they're at a party. They're at a wedding, right? There's a wedding planner. There's, there's people. There's, there's, there's a groom. There's a bride, right? And nobody notices that they're running out of wine. Only Mary. And she's sitting back there, and she notices. So this is what I want you guys to, to understand. She acknowledges the problem. Nobody else saw it. Only Mary. She saw the problem, and she immediately went to Jesus. Oh, somebody needs to hear this today. She knew who had the power to fix the situation. She said she didn't Google, hey, what do you do when you run out of wine? She didn't call 10 of her friends, hey, do you have any wines in your cupboard? We're out of wine. No, no, no. She went to the power, directly to the power, to the person that she knew had the power to change the situation. Somebody needs to hear this this morning. You have to identify and recognize the problem. I wonder if there's anybody in here that's recognized your problem. You're sitting in here, but have you recognized your problem. Oh, of course, Javier, I recognize my problem. Are you going to sit here and tell me I don't recognize my problem? I, I posted it everywhere. <laughs> That's your problem. <laughs> so 
See, the problem is that you think you know the problem, but many of us aren't even aware of what the actual problem really is. Because I found out something. Check this out. Don't miss this. The miracle you need the most, you recognize the least. The miracle that you need the most, you recognize the least. You come to God asking for a surface level miracle. And God is saying, no, I'm trying to do a miracle so much deeper in your life. I want, you, you're asking for a surface level miracle. I want to me, give you a miracle at the root of your problem. See, some of you guys are praying, oh God, if I could just make more money. God, I've been, I've been putting all the applications. I've been having all the interviews. If I could just have more money, man, I would be so much, so much more happy. And God is saying, no, no. The problem is not the money. The problem is your insecurity. See, because you could have all the money in the world, and the more money you have, the more money you're going to spend on yourself to try to please others so that they can, they, they, they can accept you as someone that you're not even really are, and, and you're trying to please people that you shouldn't even be spending your time pleasing. So no amount of money is ever going to deal with your insecurity. God is saying, identify the problem. I want to deal with your insecurity because if I deal with your insecurity and I heal your insecurity, the money will take care of itself. One person heard that. Some of you think the problem is the addiction. The problem is not the addiction. The problem is the bitterness and the unforgiveness that you've carried since you were 10 years old with your mom and your dad or your siblings or your friends. And you can't let go of it. So the problem is not the addiction. The problem is you not being able to let go of your bitterness and your unforgiveness. We got to be a church that knows how to forgive. Yeah. And God is saying, when you deal, when you let me deal with your problem of unforgiveness, the addictions, I will take care of the addictions. Come on, somebody. You don't believe me? I was addicted to drugs. I was addicted to alcohol. Why? Because I blamed my mom my whole life for everything that I did. It was her fault. She wasn't even in my life, but it was her fault. And it wasn't, that's for later. You know where I'm going. So Jesus is doing a miracle at a party. You know what's crazy? It reminds me of that, that, that miracle in, I believe it's Luke. I think it's Luke. You know that miracle where a bunch of weird guys, you know, they remodel a house and put a big old hole in the roof and they drop down some lame dude from the ceiling, right? And they drop him at the feet of Jesus, right? You know that? You know that? You, you know what's crazy about that miracle? I love this miracle because you know what's crazy? The guy, the dude's at the feet of Jesus. They went through all this trouble. And it's so messed up what Jesus says to him. You, you want to know what Jesus, what's the first thing that Jesus says to him, Pastor Travis? Yeah. 
My son, your sins are forgiven. Man, if that was me, if I went through all that trouble, <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh, thank you, Jesus. Right? Oh, come on, don't get, don't get holy on me. I would, be, I would be like, oh, that's what I came in here for. I just wanted my sins to, I don't need no legs or anything. I don't want to be walking around like everybody else. I just want to, hey, guys, mission accomplished. We can go home now. And Jesus is saying, you got to get to the root of the problem because what good is it for me to heal your legs on the outside if you're still broken on the inside? You have to recognize the problem. First step to every miracle, every breakthrough in your life is to recognize the problem. Mary, recognize the problem. Listen, if you don't get anything else out of this message, if you've been checked out, this is, this is the one thing that I want you to grab onto. I want you to grab onto this. That not only, no, first, first, not only did Mary recognize the problem, but she ran immediately to the power. She ran to the power. See, you have to grab onto that because not only do we live in a culture where everybody has a problem, but everybody will tell you about your problem. Oh, they'll Google about your problem. Oh, they'll, they'll post something about your problem. Everybody has an answer for your problems. Listen, I love doctors. I love teachers. I love parents. I love pastors and, 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 and leaders. I, I, I love everybody. But listen, we've we got to be, uh, we got to create a generation where we where we start looking, where we don't start looking for a savior in people. See, Mary acknowledged the problem and she went directly to the power. She didn't call her, her five BFFs or whatever you guys call them. She didn't get on the phone, Bowser Travis, right? Mary saw the problem, acknowledged the problem, and ran to the power. Come on. I'm going to wrap this up. Matthew, if you're ready. So this is, this is the deal. Mary goes straight to the power, right? If anybody knows Jesus, it's Mary. I mean, she raised him, right? She knows that he's just not this average kid. She knows that she has next to her the Son of God. This is, this is what she knows. There's a problem. We're out of wine. And she runs to the power. She wants to the only, runs to the only person that can do anything about that situation. Oh, you guys don't get what I'm trying to say. Listen. Mary knows that the only person that can turn water into wine, something that takes years to do, is Jesus. 
Mary knew that if she recognized the problem and she took it to the power, he would take something that would take years and manifest it in a minute. Oh, somebody in here needs to hear this because you've been dealing with your marriage and your marriage has been falling apart for years. And you say, there's no way this is going to take forever. And, and God is just saying, listen, if you recognize the problem and you give it over to me, I can take something that's been broken for years and I can fix it in a minute. Oh, but you don't understand, Javi. My kids have been running away from God, and they've been addicted to drugs and, and, and all this other stuff. And it's just been years of this, and I just don't have the patience for it. If you identify the problem, and you go to the power, and you release your kids to, to your heavenly Father, he will take something that takes years and manifest it in a minute. It's the response. It's your response. You can sit there and complain about it and, 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 and post about it and, and give it to all your friends about it. Or you can go to the power and say, you know what, enough's enough. I'm tired of this and I need to give control to the person that has all control. Your response is critical. The power of your response, the power of knowing Jesus' power will lead you to the right response. I love hearing Pastor Travis's story of him being in prison, in jail, not prison, jail. That's a different story. I'll let him tell you the next week. <laughs> kidding, kidding. But, but Pastor Travis finds himself in, in jail, just done. He's made every mistake that he could, and he's tired. And he has a choice to make, and he can either react or he can respond. And Pastor Travis says, and he goes directly to the power and says, God, if there's an ounce of good in me still, if you can find an ounce of good in me still, then use it for your glory. Use it for your glory. You guys understand the power of the response? I mean, I know Pastor didn't want me to say this, but I'm going to say it. I mean, we're sitting in this church not because Pastor T has done anything. We get to sit here in this warm, beautiful building every Sunday. Not because he's better than you, but because of his response. His response, and because of his response, God has taken everything, the same weapon that the enemy used to destroy him is the same weapon that he's using to build God himself up and give himself glory and bring people to himself. It's the response. Divina and I were married for 16 years when we finally devoted our lives to the Lord completely. But between those 16 years, I did everything to throw my marriage away. And when everybody else would respond or react, my wife responded by going to church every day, every Sunday by herself. By going to small group every Sunday, every day by herself. By asking God to bring her husband back. And God looked down and said, I don't care how far your husband has gone. I don't care what kind of mess he's gotten himself into. I love you enough. I've seen your tears. I've heard your prayers. And I love him enough. And I love you enough to get him out of that pit. 
I will humble myself to the lowest to get him out. Why? Because of her response. It was her response. The reason why I'm still here. I'm so thankful to God. Because of that response, I found myself in a cave in my car by myself. High as a kite, drunk as a skunk. Thinking I have no purpose, nothing left in me. No relationship with my wife, no relationship with my kids. And the presence of God was right there. And I said, Lord, if you're really everything that these crazy people say you are, then take these addictions away from me and make it an addiction towards you. And I will never turn away from you again. And he said, Javier, I don't care what mistakes you've done. I don't care how deep of a, of a hole you've gotten yourself into. I don't care how long you denied me. I love you so much that my love is sufficient for you. And I will get you out of that hole. There's somebody in this place that needs to respond to God this morning. Say, God, I know that I've been reacting but I want to be a responder to you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you. I thank you for who you are, Lord. I thank you for what you've done in my life, in the life of my family. I thank you for your love, Lord. Father, I pray for every single person underneath my breath, Lord, that they would become responders to your word, responders to their situations, Lord. But greater than that, Lord, that they would react towards you in everything that they do. That they would run to you because you have the power to save, to heal, and to restore. Father, we give you all the glory, all the honor in Jesus' mighty name. And all his children said, Amen. God bless you guys. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.